0: Welcome to the LeanZone.com podcast, where we discuss construction contracts, liens, and bonds. And now our host, Alex Barthet. So let's talk about the pay when paid provision. Um, Let me describe what it is, describe where it's found, and then we'll talk about the specific ways to deal with it uh, as you see it in your construction contracts. Pay when paid is a contractual provision that says that when, uh, that the entitlement to payment, your entitlement to payment, is expressly conditioned upon something else happening. Um, And that something else is almost always payment by the owner to the contractor. So if you're a sub, the condition precedent to you getting paid is if the owner has paid the contractor. But this pay when paid provision can exist in lots of different places. So if you're a subcontractor, and you hire sub-subcontractors, it would be nice to shift that risk of non-payment down to your sub-sub. So you can put a pay-when-paid provision in your subcontract. So that if the contractor doesn't pay you as a subcontractor, you can avoid having to pay your sub-subcontractors. So, understand that this pay-when-paid concept is is old in the law. It's, uh, it's approaching I think almost 40 years old as far as well-founded case law in the state of Florida. Um, and the courts have interpreted these provisions many times over and over again and they've come up with a really simple rule and they've said we're gonna look at this provision and it's either gonna be valid and enforceable because we the court determine, it, determine that it is unambiguous, clear, Uh, and concise, and we understand what it means, and therefore it effectively shifts the risk. Alternatively, the court can say, nope, we don't understand what this provision means as it's written, so therefore the attempt to have a valid pay when paid is now invalid, which means if you are on the receiving end, meaning you're a subcontractor as an example, what you thought was a valid pay when paid is no longer a valid pay when paid provision. The converse is also true. If you're a general contractor and you were hoping that it was valid, it may be found invalid. So I'm going to show you exactly um, what each of them looks like. So let's take a look at an unenforceable uh, pay-when-paid provision. That means the courts have looked at this provision and the court said, nope, this doesn't cut it. Under no circumstances shall the contractor be obligated to pay the subcontractor until funds have been advanced by the owner. Now, you're probably looking at that and thinking, I know exactly what that means. But the courts have said that sentence doesn't work. Here's another one. Final payment to subcontractors to be made within 30 days after the completion of the work included in the subcontract, written acceptance by the architect, and full payment, therefore, by the owner. Again, looking at that and you're thinking... That's a pay-when-paid provision. Um, And the courts have said, no, it's not. So you're asking yourself, I'm sure, well, then what is a valid and enforceable pay-when-paid provision? And it comes down to a very simple test. The language in the paragraph in in each sentence is roughly the same, except it has now these underlined words, which the courts have said is magic language, and if it's there, it's enforceable. So the magic language is condition precedent Or contingent upon. Having those magic words means that the pay when paid provision is valid and enforceable. Um, It's rare in the law that uh, the courts have come up with such a really clear rule. This is one of them. So then the question is, depending on where you fall in the construction process, how do you want your contracts to look? And typically again almost everyone falls into a position where there's someone up the chain and there's someone down the chain. Um, And keep in mind that those two things are typically the exact opposite, right? So you want to not have the pay when paid provision imposed on you, but you would like to impose the pay when paid provision on somebody else. So, what I can tell you in having done this for almost 20 years, Almost every contract that comes across my desk that I am asked to review has a valid and enforceable pay-when-paid provision, meaning it has the magic language. And the reason is is that while this may seem like it's news to you, this law is now, give or take, 40 years old. So over that time, the magic language has been inserted and incorporated into all of these contracts that are coming across my desk. Um, So how do you deal with this? issue. Again, the first thing you need to remember is do you want it to be enforceable or unenforceable? Um, So we're going to take an example of assuming that you want it to be unenforceable. You would like not to have the pay when paid provision uh, uh, provision imposed upon you. So the first thing you can do is when you get the contract and you read it before you sign it, you know, shocker here, all right, read the contract before you sign it, you want to see does it have a pay when paid provision that is enforceable? You now know what to look for. You, you know what the magic language looks like. If it has that magic language, then the then that provision is probably going to be enforceable against you. So you should try to either strike the provision or strike the magic language. Um, you know, it'll go a long way if you just strike those couple of words so that later, if there's a dispute, you can argue that. Those words that were important were removed from the contract. We had a client come to us yesterday. They gave us a contract, and surprisingly, uh, they're a uh, a steel, a structural steel contractor, and they were able to strike in the contract the entire pay-when-paid provision. I would tell you it's pretty rare that I see that, but they had it circled with lines across it, and both parties initialed the entire provision. It was out. So... I tell that to you as an example that when you think, well, I, you know, if I, if I change this comma to a semicolon, I'm never gonna get the job, I would suggest to you that you may have more leverage than you think. Um, and if you don't try, you don't get. Uh, so keep that in mind. So number one, strike or modify the provision. The second thing you can do if you cannot remove the provision is include in your contract some ability to stop working. Let me describe to you the worst case scenario. You sign a contract that has a pay when paid provision. You also have a contract that says that you cannot stop working even if you haven't been paid or there's a dispute. Again, a relatively common provision that exists in most construction contracts. You have obligations to pay labor and materials. So you're not getting paid, you're still working, and you're incurring costs. That is a recipe for disaster. So, one of the things that you should try to include in your construction contract is a provision that says that you have the right to stop or slow your work without penalty if you have not been paid for a period of time, 15 days, 30 days, 60 days, just some period of time. And that acts as a backstop to make sure that just in case you can't get rid of the payment paid, and you have to keep working as you're you're having a dispute associated with getting paid that, you know, maybe it's 30 days. So 30 days after not getting paid, you can say, you know what, I'm done. I'm not gonna keep financing this job. So that is a provision that wouldn't normally exist in a contract that is handed to you. It's something you have to add into it, but you wanna be able to have the right to stop working if you haven't been paid for a certain period of time. Um, Now the next three things are things that you can look for that may invalidate an otherwise valid pay when paid provision that exists in your contract. You can check to see what's in the prime contract if you're a sub, if the job is bonded, and if you have lien rights. We're going to talk about these last three in more detail. Now remember the examples I've just given you are if you are a subcontractor. If you are a contractor, understand you want to make sure that you include in your construction contract the magic language, and you would like to make sure that in the course of any negotiations that that magic language isn't removed, right, because you want to pass the risk of non-payment from you down to your subcontractors. Alright. So let's talk about what's called the incorporation ambiguity. This is what possibly could exist in the prime contract that's incorporated by reference into your subcontract that can invalidate your pay when paid provision. Um, So as you know, if you're a subcontractor, and if you're a contractor, you're doing the same thing, meaning you're saying to your subs everything that's in the prime contract is incorporated by reference into your subcontract. So the incorporation by reference is a common uh, provision that exists in most contracts. So if the contractor is obligated to pay the subcontractor before the contractor is entitled to be paid by the owner, that runs afoul of the pay-when-paid provision that exists in the subcontract, right? Because the, in the subcontract, it's, it says, I, the contractor, am not gonna pay you the sub until I have been paid. Um, when those two provisions clash, the courts have said that the subcontractor wins and the contractor loses. Now, it happens more often than you think because most sophisticated developers and those, con- and those owners that use an AIA form of contract, um, it says that at the final payment of the construction, right, assuming you can get to the finish line, that, that the owner is not going to pay the contractor the final payment until the contractor has proven to the owner that they have paid all of their bills. So in the normal course of a construction project, it is common to have trailing releases, typically a month behind if you're lucky, sometimes two or three months behind if you're on most jobs. So that means that you submit your pay request now, and you may submit conditional releases today, and then the next month you'll submit conditional releases for the next month, and then unconditionals for the prior month. So everything is running effectively at least 30 days behind. Um, That all typically gets trued up at the end of the job and the reason is is that most owners don't want to hand over that final check to the to the contractor until they know that they're going to do that uh, free of any risk associated with subs or suppliers looking to file a lien uh, on their project. So, the final payment provision of most owner contracts say that at that point in time, they uh, are going to require the contractor to pay their bills uh, before they get the final payment. So we have that provision that exists in the prime contract. We have a pay when paid in the subcontract. When those two things are incorporated together by reference, you now have something that will potentially invalidate your pay when paid provision in your subcontract. We've been successful in the past at having pay when paid provisions found unenforceable for this very reason. Um, So it's important that you look at the language that exists in the prime contract because it is potentially, uh, it could be your saving grace if you're a sub, it could be very problematic if you're a GC, right? So if you're a GC, the opposite is true. You wanna make sure that you, even through the final payment provision, you as a general contractor still have some form of trailing release. Maybe it's not 30 days, maybe it's seven days. But if you sign a contract as a prime contractor and you don't have, uh, you don't take care of this problem of requiring a true up prior to final payment, then you have now invalidated your own pay when paid provisions in your subcontracts. This episode is brought to you by the Miami Construction Forum. This invitation-only group of construction professionals of all sizes and trades meets monthly for an informal lunch and learn session on current topics of interest from getting paid in safety to bonding and insurance. To see the upcoming topics and request your invitation, visit miamiconstructionforum.com. Where you'll end up having a conflict is if you... If the prime contract says, and again, it probably does, at final payment, it probably will say something like, owner will not pay the contractor until the contractor has shown that they've paid all their bills. Now, think about that. When that happens, the contractor has to effectively advance the final payment to get your releases. What most contractors typically do is they don't tell you anything and they just ask you to send releases like you normally do, um, but you arguably have the right to say, no, I'm not giving you this final release until you've given me the final payment because the, 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 the contract that's incorporated into my contract says that you need to give that to the owner before I get my money, uh, before you get your money. So that means you gotta pay me in advance. I would tell you the only time it usually happens is when, the, when something goes wrong and the lawyers get involved. More often than not, um, it just keeps happening month after month, trailing releases. Um, some sophisticated owners will demand unconditional releases in advance, but I would tell you, even if it exists in their contract, most developers and owners aren't, aren't as much of a stickler as I think they would be. So. Um, The first thing to do is check to see if it has the magic language. And if you're dealing with, I would tell you, almost any GC these days, it it probably has the right words in it. Um, So let's talk about the next two things that can invalidate the pay when paid. And these are much more common. Um, If the job is bonded or if you have lien rights, both of those situations invalidate your pay when paid. Let me explain what I mean. If you are a subcontractor doing work on a bonded project, so that would include public work, typically over uh, $400,000, where the the $400,000 is the contract between the owner and the contractor. That typically is the requirement for the the contractor to get a bond. if you are a subcontractor making, uh, doing work and you have rights under the contractor's payment bond, that payment bond surety is not entitled to assert the pay when paid defense, even if it exists in your subcontract. So we don't have this problem in the prime contract. You've got the magic language in your subcontract, but you're doing work on a bonded project, whether it's public or private, and you are, Uh, and you have a claim against that bond, you don't have to worry about the pay when paid because the surety cannot assert the pay when paid defense against you. Um, It's as simple as that. I mean, there's really no secrets to it. They try. Uh, Sometimes you'll submit a bond claim and the surety will respond and they'll say, our principal hasn't been paid yet. When they are, we'll let you know. Um, When I get those letters for our clients, I typically respond and I say, uh, you can't, that's not a valid defense, send us our money. And they typically don't, and we sue them, and then they send you the check. But, um, uh, but just know that if you are a subcontractor on a bonded job, it becomes very important to secure your rights against that payment bond because you can sidestep a pay-when-paid defense that way. It's the fastest, easiest way to sidestep a pay-when-paid defense is to do work on a bonded project. Give me one sec. Uh, The asterisk there is because this means uh, what are called unconditional payment bonds. And that's every bond that exists on on a public job and most bonds that exist on a private job. But there's one kind of bond that exists called a conditional payment bond. And the condition of that bond is whether or not the owner has paid the contractor. So what they've done is that there's a special type of bond And that that bond incorporates the pay when paid provision. And when you have that bond, what you actually do is you make a claim on the property with a lien, and at the same time, you make a claim on the payment bond. Now, the reason you know that you're doing work on a job that has a conditional payment bond is you get a copy of the bond. And the title of the bond is conditional payment bond. That's your first clue that it's a conditional payment bond. So, uh, now, if you are a contractor and you do bonded work and you issue bonds, you need to be aware that all of your hard work at making sure you have a pay when paid uh, actually goes out the window. And there's very little you can do um, once you issue that bond, that your subcontractors and suppliers can make a claim against your payment bond um, even though you have a pay when paid provision. In your contract. Thanks for listening to the LeanZone.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast app. For articles, videos, and forms on this and other construction topics, head over to theleanzone.com.